When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I'm Ben. Ben, I've got two small little bits of uh, news, I guess, or, uh, you know, information to bring out here before uh, before we really get into the meat of today's podcast, okay? Yeah, what's going on? All right, so uh, we recently got a note from somebody about our... Um, movie car chase scenes i think that we did uh-huh. a while back i mean we're we're a couple of uh episodes out here so it's been a while for us since we've recorded that one but sure um we got a correction and it's an important correction to make here and i i felt horrible about it once i once i heard this maybe not that horrible but i uh, think i know which one you're bringing up. all right this was uh this was brought to my attention by a guy named uh john jay via facebook and john wrote in and said uh, hey guys, in Smokey and the Bandit, it was not Randy Travis that played the part of the snowman. It was Jerry Reed. And of course I should have known it was Jerry Reed, but I think that was at that part where I was saying, uh, the names of the characters and who they were, and right. I was just kind of winging it off the top of my head. I made a mistake. I said Randy Travis. I meant to say Jerry Reed, because Jerry Reed sang the theme song for that, uh, for that film, mm-hmm. and many other films as Many, well yeah. yeah yeah songs and he uh, starred in lots of films as well um i i should have corrected that immediately when i heard it in my head but uh for whatever reason randy travis just felt right at that time uh to say so uh, my mistake i apologize thank you john jay for correcting me yeah thank you john and scott we shouldn't go any further without saying of course i also played played a part in that because i thought that sounds kind of Right, but mm-hmm. we we just we both rolled over it. So uh, thank you very much to John for keeping us honest. And uh, I and I doubt that's the only mistake in there. I I also doubt we <laughs> actually uh, stay tuned because in an upcoming episode we might have a cameo from uh, one of our coworkers who has a bone to pick with us oh, about that, that show. That's right. Yeah, I heard about this. Uh, yeah. There's somebody who's a little bit upset here in the office. Just a bit. Now, no spoilers. You'll have to tune in uh, later this week to uh, to hear the rest of that or next week. But what's the second thing? Okay, second thing, and this is more just a, uh, I guess, a show note, uh, really, for anybody who's listening to this episode. I'm having a little bit of trouble with my eyes recently. I've been uh, I've been trying out some contacts, contact yeah. lenses. Mm-hmm. I've got them on right now. We're in a dim room. You know, we've got uh, just one light bulb here on the table uh, between us. Not that it's like, you know, uh, like a shed or anything like that, but uh, we it's mood lighting. Right. And uh, I've got contacts in. 
I'm having a little bit of trouble with them, the focus and everything. So if I'm stumbling on my notes a little bit, uh-huh. I apologize ahead of time, you know, more so than usual. Uh, I, I'll give it a shot. I, I have a hard time reading my own writing when I can see clearly, Ben. So uh, we'll see how this goes today. Which is weird that you say that because you have some of the best handwriting in the office. Oh, uh, well, um, I was in a rush to make these notes. So uh-huh. uh, maybe, maybe not this time. Hey, I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. I uh, hope your eyes feel better. Uh, you've been wearing contacts for a while uh, now. Just a little while, but it's been this, uh, like every week I have to go back and get a new trial pair because I'm getting like, um, like blurry vision and it's going in and out of focus and everything like that. Yeah. And, and that's happening today, right now while we're recording this. So I'm like Mr. Magoo over here, Ben. <laughs> I feel like that. I feel like that at sometimes. So, uh, I'll do my best, uh, but it goes in and out. Well, so let's do, uh, let's just consider some possibilities before we actually begin the show here. I'm going to say a couple things to you. Tell me yes or no how you feel about it. LASIK? Hmm. I'm going to wait on that one, I think. Even now. I know it's been like 20 years out or whatever. Right, yeah. Uh, We've got someone here in the office who's tried it. Uh, Maybe we should watch him and see what happens. Yeah, uh, he is an experiment of mine as well. Uh, (laughs) Number two, you could just jump back to glasses. That's true. That's what a lot of people do. That's Uh, true. Number three, just throwing this out there, thinking outside the box. What about an eye patch? An eye patch, not a bad idea. You could switch it. I mean, don't ever do it in front of people. Mm-hmm. You could switch it. You would be the first podcaster here with an eye patch. Oh, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Maybe a uh, like a skull and crossbones on it or something. Yeah, low light, high light would be no problem because you would just switch the patch over your eye the way the pirates did. You know what's funny is uh, all week long because of you know like the the different prescriptions and different eyes, and I've even got different like uh, brands. Of contacts and different eyes. We're trying everything, right? All these combinations. In fact, now they're, they're special ordering some for me at this vision center, uh, for me to kind of, to try with like a new material that they're going to try on it. Uh, but I've been like covering one eye and trying to focus and covering the other eye. And I know that's not what you're really supposed to do. Um, let, let's move on. This is way too much. I, <laughs> I talk for a car podcast, right? Sure. And, uh, and today's topic is, it's awesome. Yes, absolutely, Scott. You are correct because this topic is exciting. This topic may also be of interest to our super producer, Noel Octane Brown, who, as you know, is a vital part of the Car Stuff team. And this wasn't our idea, was it? No, it was not. And Octane, I like that one, by the way. All right, so this suggestion comes from a listener via email on, uh, I think it was on January 26th of this year. Mm -hmm. So pretty recent, but it goes back a little further. I want to mention two notes here, but... um, a guy named Clayton wrote in and said, Greetings, Scott and Ben. Previously, I had never really been interested in hot hatches or sport compact import tuners. Give me a V8 any day. These past two weeks, however, I've been test, uh, I've been test driving VW Golf GTIs and now I get it. Uh, he says they are just fun to drive. Stopping on the gas, hearing the whine of the turbo, the quick putt, putt, putt of the wastegate during the upshift. Uh, we have, oh, this is where it gets a, even a little bit more interesting. We have four of these GTIs, uh, though the office hasn't confirmed it yet. I have a sneaking suspicion that one of them is a Golf GTI R test bed. Ah. These come directly from the manufacturer, and this one in particular will outrun and outturn the other three uh, when we are running laps around San Antonio. The sound of the exhaust from this thing makes you want to turn the, turn off the radio, even car stuff. Sorry, guys. Uh, roll down <laughs> the windows and just hit the gas. Yeah. It says, great show, guys. Uh, Clayton. And... If you caught that there in the middle, uh huh. He says the office hasn't confirmed it yet. 
Yeah, we have four of these GTIs, but this is the one that's the GTI-R testbed, he's assuming, because it outruns the others. Yeah. Where is he that he's got three GTIs plus a possible GTI-R to mess around with? Well, this goes back to a previous email, and I don't mm-hmm. think that he'll have any problem with us talking about this, because I, I think we may have mentioned it yeah. in yeah. another podcast. I know I've written to him. Um, in an earlier email from back in, I think it was December of 2014, Clayton wrote to us before, and he said, uh, my regular job is as a welder, but during the winter months, I usually take on part-time jobs. This year, I've been road testing cars for manufacturers. Crazy. What, what a sweet gig that is. Huh? What a dream job. Yeah, for some people, it really is. I mean, just out on the road, they give you a route to drive. You have to drive X number of miles a day, and I'm sure that, you know, it's just data recording the whole time. Uh, what a fun thing to do. I'm, I'm sure there's downsides to it as well. Oh, well, sure. But as he points out, he gets to drive some fantastic cars, and I know that when we talked to him the first time, uh, it was about, um, I think was, this note right here was about a, uh, a, a 2016 or possibly 2017 Porsche Cayenne GTS that when he got into the driver's seat, he didn't really even know how to turn the thing on because <laughs> we were talking about how cars were so um, uh, advanced at this point that when you get into a new a modern car after being in an older car, it looks a lot like a jet fighter or a spaceship control panel. Sure, panel. yeah, it's and pretty complicated. Yeah, yeah. So he said, you know, as embarrassed as I was, I had to walk back in the office and ask him how to start the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how complex the, the dash looked in this thing. And he sh- he sent a photo of this, and it and it definitely did look like um it was it was complex. It looks I, like I, a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it really does. But he also mentions like he got to drive the Dodge Charger Hellcat because he said it's a, it's a lot of fun to drive and really easy to get a ticket with. Um, this guy has got like uh, a lot of people's dream job for the winter. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you and I saw a Hellcat recently too. Oh, we did. We did. We did. Yeah, we didn't get to hear it run of all things. It was, it was parked the whole time we were there. It was raining at this car show that we went to. Yeah, yeah. Caffeine and octane, mm-hmm. and there were like what six hundred and fifty cars there, or some crazy number like that on a yeah. on a rainy Sunday morning at like seven a.m. And there were four Hellcats actually reported or rumored to be around uh one of which was just some guy passing through apparently wow no kidding so the dealers i think because the dealers each receive one of that vehicle and they brought them to the show because that's how they get the word out there that's how they get Mm -hmm. people to see it and be excited about it even though it's you know been kind of the media darling recently for dodge sure uh but to see it in person was really something. I mean, it's impressive to see it. I would have loved to have heard that thing run. Me too, man. What, 700 horsepower, I 707, think? 707, and they say that may be on the low side as far as estimating. Right, yeah. But that might be a tale for another day because, Clayton, first off, we think that's an amazing job and would love to hear more about it. Secondly, uh, we really like this topic and we can always tell we like a topic because we're surprised that we haven't covered it yet. Oh, yeah. And I, I cannot believe we haven't covered this. No, and I think we've touched on hatchbacks, of course, because you and I are both hatchback fans. Right. right. Yep. So the body style is nothing new to our listeners, I'm sure, because we've talked about that, you know, the different body styles of vehicles. Uh, but I guess maybe what we need to just say, I mean, just kind of in general terms, is that these cars are a lot of fun to drive because it's taking a a – I guess what you call an otherwise sensible vehicle from a manufacturer. Sure. And you throw in like a bigger engine. You increase yeah. the horsepower. You make the exhaust a little bit sportier sounding. Um, maybe throw in a six-speed transmission at this point, you know, this point in history. Not not always, but uh, that was way before six-speeds were even in sport. a lot of big sports cars. Right, yeah. Um, so you take all of the best that your company can offer and you put it into the hatchback form. And it's small, relatively small, mm-hmm. lightweight, fun to drive. Uh, it's, uh, 
you know, it feels like a precision instrument when you're when you're steering it through the turns. I like that. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a it, it, it's it's a fun platform to kind of play around with, and manufacturers know that people really enjoy it. And our story, I don't know. Check me on this, and tell me where you think it's fair to begin. I, I would say around the 1960s. Okay, you want to go back further? Hey, you know, what? I'll tell you that the hatchback design. Ah, okay, yeah. It goes back to the 1930s. Yes, well, the hatchback design itself, but hot bat, hot hatches specifically, I would argue more 1960s. But, you know, we can't – that's a really good point, Scott, and I'm glad you made it. We can't really talk about a hot hatchback until we talk about a hatchback. All right, it was a technicality. You you were absolutely right in saying <laughs> that, you know, the late 60s, maybe early 1970s, is that – Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We can kind of Around agree there, on that? Yeah. Okay. I think we can agree that that's when the hot hatchback happened, but it wasn't called that at that time. No, In fact, no. that term didn't come about until the mid-1980s. Yeah, it's a, it's a retronym, I mm-hmm. think, is the fancy 50-cent uh, word for that. Sure, I believe that. I mean, and there's differences between these vehicles and a wagon. So a lot of people think of it as a, as a small wagon, but it's right. not really that. Yeah. There's there's difference in, uh, like, the cargo volume and the seating. Um, the rear door design is even different, yep. and uh, um, suspension setup is different because you know it's shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there's there's just a lot of differences between what's a hatchback design and a wagon design. Although it may be easy to confuse the two uh, with a, with a few examples. A lot of them are, are so uh, truncated, I guess. They're so short that you right. can't really uh, make the mistake of calling it a wagon because those are typically stretched out. A yeah, lot they're longer, longer, much Wait, longer. What's uh What's interesting here with the with the birth of what we'll call the hot hatchback, even though it wasn't called that back then, is uh, it comes from U.S. car manufacturers, which in some ways might surprise some uh, some of you uh, younger listeners out there, just because just because the the fact of the matter is that for a while these hot hatches were much more popular in Europe. Oh yeah, for sure, Ben. I mean, you know, back in the 1970s, 1980s, it was almost exclusively a, a European game at that point. Not, not, yeah. not completely. There were some, there were some other examples here in the U.S. as well. Um, Australia, for whatever reason, just hasn't really caught on with it. Um, there, there are other countries that it's not necessarily a, a popular body style, or it wasn't a popular body style, but maybe there's some trickling in at this point. Right. Um, but yeah, it was almost exclusively a European game. Um, in the late 70s and early 1980s. Right, yeah, because uh, in the 60s, the the U.S. manufacturers started putting more powerful engines into uh, into the base cars, right? So that'd be like the Pontiac GTO in 64, invention of the muscle car, right? Mm-hmm. And so you could you could get all those advantages of muscle cars, but in Europe, uh, the trend, the overall, I guess, tendency. Again, you know, we don't like painting with a broad brush here, but the overall tendency uh, was toward more economic cars with smaller engines, right? Yeah, smaller bodies, smaller weight. So the hot hatchback came back, you know, as this this hatchback with this, um, as you said, bigger engine, uh, different exhaust. Uh, this thing came about kind of as, tell me if you think this is fair, kind okay. of as a European answer to the muscle car. Uh, okay, I could, I could see that. I can understand what you're, what you're getting at there. Yeah. Um, but on their own scale. On I their guess. own, yeah. Because they had, they did have these mainstream hatchbacks. Like, um, I think the ones mentioned here are the, uh, the Abarth A112 and, yeah. uh, the, the Simca 1100 Ti, um, which are available, you know, only in Europe at this point up until about 1974. And right. prior to that, 
they were just hatchbacks. They were just a, a small economical car, a family car, but it had cargo area. It wasn't quite a wagon, as we mentioned. Right. But then the manufacturers said, well, let's kind of ride this wave, as you said, and, and, and maybe put something a little bit hotter in there. Let's get something. And they weren't really using the term hotter at that point, probably. Right. Uh, but they were saying, let's, uh, let's, you know, up the horsepower on this thing. Let's up the torque. Let's have a little bit of fun with this one. And that's exactly what they did. And I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure that rallying had a, uh, a, oh, yeah. a key part in all this. And I know that as we get on here, there's going to be a car that specifically ties in with Group B rally racing, <laughs> which right. I am way excited about and excited about the car too. I mean, I've, I've seen one in person when we get to it, but I wonder if any listeners can guess before we get to it. Don't, don't, uh, don't cheat. Don't wait till after the episode. But, but right in now while you're listening with your guests. Think about it. early, early hot hatchbacks that, I mean, really early. Super early, like yeah. 70s. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that were wildly popular. Um, well, I don't know if I can say wildly popular, but they were low production but very, um, very high power. And again, <laughs> Group B, you have to consider that as well. So that right. era, right around there. All right. Okay, so uh, what what happens then is after – after the 70s, right, when, when Europe is doing so well, European manufacturers are doing so well with stuff like the Abarth, mm-hmm. uh, the, the United States, uh, starts selling hot hatches. You see them in dealer lots around in the 80s. And one of the, one of the typical examples of this, one of the best examples, right, it goes back to like you saw the Volkswagen Golf, mm-hmm. the GTI Volkswagen Golf. Sure. Yeah. The Golf. And, uh, when was that? Let me see. The 1976 VW GTI, I think was the, uh, well, that's the first example of the GTI. Is that right? Right. Yeah. That's and- exactly. I, I think it hits, um, it didn't hit the U.S. right then, though. Okay. No, that's right. It wait, uh, we waited until, um, I want to say it was like 1980. I've got it in my notes here. As soon as we get to it, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. touch on that. But, uh, 1976, the VW GTI was available in Europe. And what Volkswagen did with the GTI was they, they had increased the performance by giving it the 1.6 liter fuel injected engine. It had better handling. It had, um, you know, just overall, it was a better vehicle to drive. It was, a, it was yeah. much more fun to drive. And that was the, uh, that was the idea. It was a it was a big market for like a small practical car that still had really good performance. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot. How do Get more done. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And uh, I just some stats here. That that car could do zero to sixty in around nine seconds. Is that correct? <laughs> you know what? You're right. And here's the thing with that is that you know the top speed was something like 110 miles per hour at the time. Yeah. And you got to remember that most cars at that time couldn't even best 100 at that point. You know, it just wasn't possible. So, um, you know, you have to look at it with the uh, you know the uh, the set of glasses that that comes with uh, being back in 1980 or 1976. Right. The context. Yeah. That's exactly right. You have to realize that they just weren't the performers that they are now. So we're we're kind of uh, we're kind of spoiled, I guess, a little bit, Ben, with some of the hot hatches that we're going to mention later in the podcast. Oh yeah, I've the got, modern ones. I've got a list of uh, my favorites here, and, uh-huh. and I, we can quickly go through them later. But sure, um, let's save it till the end. Uh, I've got about six, maybe okay, that I want to mention. I've got a couple too, and some of these are du- you know duplicates of what we'll talk about today. But but the GTI now it wasn't the first or anything like that. But no. it seems to be the uh, like the uh, the representation of the hot hatchback era kind of making its way from Europe over the United States. Right, yeah. If you see a reference to a hot hatch, one of the things that will inevitably come up is the Volkswagen Golf GTI. It's just, uh, it's what a lot of people think of, at least in the West when they think, at least in the United States instead, when they think hot hatchback, Volkswagen Golf. That's right. And there was another car that comes along with this, and this is the one that we were teasing just a little bit, uh, little, yes. just a little while ago. Can you guess, ladies uh, and gentlemen? Yeah, so here it is. It's the Renault 5 Turbo. And the Renault 5 Turbo was intended to be a uh, homologation special right. vehicle. And we have talked about that in the past, where you have to build X number of street vehicles in order to be able to participate in a certain type of racing, a form so that, of racing. Yeah, you qualify as a production car, even if only technically. Yeah. yeah. So so the first 400 of those were intended for that purpose only. So the first 400. But I think they ended up making about 4,000 of them. I have right. stats on that in a little while here. But, whoa, what a car that was. I mean, that was really, really interesting. We've got um, – I've got some notes on it here, if, yeah. uh, if I can skip ahead. it. In fact, this comes into one of my – I guess favorite vehicles. One of your picks. Yeah, but I'll I'll just go ahead and read it right now because we're talking about it. Um, It's a mid-engine hatchback, Ben, which is so unusual. Now, so mid-engine rear-wheel drive. uh, This is you got to remember. This is back in what 1980 till about 1984, and then I think uh, they made them all the way up until about 1986 in Belgium. So originally in France, then in Belgium. Um, Again, two-door hatchback. It had really boxy rear fender flares. Uh, wide rear tires. Again, that mid-engine, that is so cool in a hatchback design. Um, It's only a 1.4-liter engine, but it's a turbo 1.4-liter engine. I think it had, and this sounds kind of weak now, I think the street version had something like 160 horsepower, and that was it. But at the time, 
there was nothing close to it. I mean, it was it was blowing everything away. It was, in fact, it was the fastest, um, it was the most powerful French production car at the time. And again, those first four were meant to be, you know, Group Four homologation vehicles. So right. you, can, you can understand that it was a powerful vehicle for its day. And yeah, it had 160 horsepower. Now that I'm looking at it here, I think it's actually 158 because that was metric horsepower, 160. Yeah. Um, and 163 pound feet of torque. Now that doesn't really stand out today. I mean, that would be kind of average today. That wouldn't be a hot hatch. That would just be kind of, um, ooh, that's one that we're gonna we're gonna come up to a warm hatch. We'll oh, describe. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna describe warm hatch in just a little bit here. But um, of course, it had a modified body. Um, I believe it was fiberglass. I'm not entirely sure it was fiberglass. But the mechanicals were completely different from the regular Renault 5. Um, the 5 course, Alpine? Yeah, the 5. Well, no, I think the 5 Alpine was something different, I okay. think. Um, I'm confused on the two terms there. I don't know mm-hmm. if the 5 Turbo and the 5 Alpine were the same or not. But there's a, a base or standard Renault 5 that is uh, much more tame than the Renault 5 Turbo. And, uh, of course, the difference is rear-wheel drive. The big difference is that mid-engine, then rear-wheel drive, of course. Yeah. So this was a unique vehicle all around. I mean, it was really something. I've seen exactly one of these on the road. What? Where did you see it? I saw it in the, it must have been the late 1980s, early 1990s. It was in Troy, Michigan, and it was at just some strip mall somewhere. You know, it was parked outside. It was a red one. Uh, it was gorgeous. Beautiful car, but it, it was unlike anything else I'd ever seen because, you know, at that time I was, you know, thinking about getting a first car, that kind of thing. This was, of course, way out of the range, but it was so unusual. It was a foreign vehicle. So unusual to see a little hatchback like that with an engine stuffed in the back with these these big uh, boxy fender flares on, on the, uh-huh. the rear end. Um, I thought I was looking at a race car that was on the road. I mean, it really did look like that. And it had big vents in the front. Um, I, I, I sort of closely examined it while I was there and just check it out and see what was going on. Um, I was young. I was probably 17, 18 years old at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, didn't quite understand that it was so rare at that time. I thought I was going to be seeing more of these because who knew? You know, they were only going to make 4,000 of them, and that was it. It was probably at the end of production or, or after production had already ended for that vehicle. But I was fascinated by the this, the shape of it and, the and, you know, just the look of it on the road because I did get to see it drive. The person drove away while I was there. Oh, okay. Um, sounded really cool. Um, you know, a lot of modern hatchbacks and, and sport import tuners sound like that now. But back then, nothing sounded like that. I mean, it was just an unusual sound. It was an unusual look. It was really um, – it was – Pretty cool sighting. I mean, I remember it to this day, so that tells you something. That did was. Did they zip though? Did they, did they accelerate pretty quickly? Yeah, yeah, actually they did. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, as, as much as you could on a city street, you know, like, uh, leaving, <laughs> right. leaving again a strip mall, pulling out into traffic. You know? Right. The cops will rarely accept the explanation, but doesn't it sound cool? Yeah. Only and for I, speeding. And I feel like I've seen one other one in a museum, but it, it made like nowhere near the impression as this one did on the street. It was just that much different. Well, let's okay. So we've talked about some of the some of the iconic or classic hot hatches. Uh, if you're okay with it, I'm going to move us a little bit further along in the timeline. Well, maybe can can we just take one second and then yeah. and then jump in because sure. at the, you got to remember that at that time in the in the late 70s, early 80s, the two cars that dominated this market were the GTI that we talked about yep. and the, and the Renault Five Turbo that we just mentioned. Right, and that's it. And and we're talking about a car where they made four thousand of. That's that's one of the cars they said dominated dominated that market. I don't know how they could say that, but that's how small this market was at the time. Ah, and here yes. and here in the United States, there were a couple of versions. Like I mean, a couple of early early versions that you could kind of call 
hot hatches, but it's kind of funny when you think about them. These are the 1981 and a half Dodge Charger, uh-huh. the 2.2 liter engine that had something like 84 horsepower, or there was the other version with 107 horsepower. And, but Shelby was also getting into the ah, game. Ah, I'm so glad you mentioned this. Yes, the GLS. Yeah, the GLS, and also GLHS. Um, well, the, he also had the Charger. Uh-huh. Uh So there were a couple of different uh, different Shelby cars out there as well. And of course, he's doing you know his own thing with them, tuning the engines and you know giving them better suspension and transmissions, uh, all that stuff. I'm so glad you mentioned this. Okay, and thank you because uh, this is definitely something we need to hit. Uh, Dodge had. The Omni Hatchback, right? Remember that? <laughs> yes, I do. They badged as the Omni GLH. Yeah. And that had a very interesting acronym. It stood for, oh, you're, you're pointing at me. I get Go to ahead. do it. Okay. Uh, it stood for goes like hell, you guys. Uh, and the Omni GLHT came out later and that's a T for turbo goes like hell turbo. But tell us about Carol Shelby, uh, and what he did with his GLH. Well, Carol Shelby, of course, along with Chrysler. You know, was working on these uh, these Omni GLH vehicles, as you just mentioned. And in 1986, he kind of upped the game with a 175-horsepower version uh, that was the intercooled GLHS. Mm-hmm. And they call it, they said the GLHS stood for Goes Like Hell Some More. <laughs> Which uh, I love. But... Yeah, it's trying to bend the acronym a little bit, I think. Right. But, uh, yeah, but it's that's a stretch. Funny. That's funny, though. I like that. And, uh, and you know, you've always heard that kind of kicked around that that stood for Goes Like Hell, and it really did. It, I believe it really did, because Carol Shelby was that way. Yeah, and, and Dodge had done that on purpose, too. There's, the, uh, there were only 500 of those made. Though. That's amazing, because uh, you know I swear I've seen a couple of these, and maybe it was the location. Maybe it was because I was in Detroit at the time or whatever. But, but um, it seems like you'll occasionally catch these coming up on Craigslist or on eBay or something like that. They usually do garner a pretty high dollar amount when they do come around, mm-hmm. because they're, they're relatively rare, as you said. Only 500 produced of that model. Yeah. And now maybe I'm thinking of just the uh, the standard GLH. You know, maybe I'm not thinking about the GLHS. Right. Um, I maybe I've never seen a GLHS. I don't know, but um, mm-hmm. maybe you've just seen GLHS. Yeah, it could be. But uh, those those Shelby vehicles from back then were pretty cool looking. And let's just mention a couple of their quick names. Yeah. And yeah. then finally get back to the place where I interrupted you. I, <laughs> no, I'm no. sorry about that, but no, this is great. It's too good to pass up some of these names that were happening in the early '80s that were hatchbacks that were considered hot hatchbacks and. And now think about this, okay? There's the the Ford Escort GT, as you could probably could have guessed, right? Yeah. But think about the Mercury Lynx XR3. That's probably a name you haven't you know, heard for a while. Yeah. Or the Chevy Citation X11. You remember that oh, one? Oh yeah, yeah. That's, uh, it's funny. I mean, the the standard Citation was everywhere. I think my grandfather had a standard Citation which for is, a while, which is weird because it's such a bad name for a car. A Citation? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It kind of is now that I think about it. That's I mean, like that's like calling something the parking ticket. <laughs> that's a good point, Ben. Yeah, you're right. Well, they All didn't right. ask me. Well, G- <laughs> GM also had um, a lot of these J car variants that they offered as hatchbacks. Yeah. All the way through about 1987, uh, they had a V6 Chevy, uh, Chevy Cavalier, the Z24, and the turbocharged Pontiac Sunbird and Buick Skyhawk. Do you remember those? Oh, wow. Um, also, oh, this is a good one. This is a, a much more modern version, Ben. Uh, the 2007 Dodge Caliber SRT4. Now, I've driven one of those, exactly one. It was a test vehicle. It was a manufacturer plate vehicle. Mm-hmm. That thing had incredible torque steer. Really? So this was like the uh, the uh, the evolution, if you would, of the SRT4, which was wildly popular and, and really fun to drive. Still, people are, are seeking out those vehicles. I know it looked like a Dodge Neon. Uh-huh. And they were very careful about saying it wasn't a... Uh, and this isn't really a hatchback either, by the way. I'm just a side note. But um, the SRT4 
I believe it was the second fastest car that Dodge offered at the time behind the Viper. That's how fast this car was. And it wasn't that much slower than the Viper, I'll tell you that. From 0 to 60, it was a fast, fast car, and it could handle well. It was a, it was a popular vehicle with SCCA racers. Mm-hmm. I just to buy them right from the showroom floor and, and do a few tuning adjustments and whatever they had to do for, you know, um, SCCA specs and, yeah. and take them out to the track. And I still see them on the, on the road occasionally. So the, the Dodge Caliber SRT4 was supposed to be kind of the, um, uh, again, the evolution of that. And it just never took off. I think the Caliber body just wasn't popular. Yeah. And uh, but it was a powerful vehicle, and the torque steer on that thing—you would stomp on the gas, and it would just pull you into the next lane. Practically, it was a, it was a very powerful car. And I, I've seen calibers around. I just haven't seen the SRT4 around. But if mm-hmm. you do, know that that car's got some power underneath the hood. Yeah, those are not your uh, friends to bother at the stoplight for a race. <laughs> or maybe you know what, Scott uh, and listeners, we we don't know what you drive yet unless you tell us. So uh, yeah, sure. And maybe you can whack somebody at a stoplight. Huh? You know, it was also around the 1980s. I guess maybe the 1990s, even when the the Japanese manufacturers started to bring a lot of um, hot hatchbacks into uh, the United States as well. You're reading my mind. And yeah. they've been elsewhere, but yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a, a lot of variation in that too. There was an Acura Integra. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a Corolla GTS. And the king of that, the Honda Civic SI. Yeah, that's right. And then there was also a, uh, this is interesting, a Canadian-built Toyota Matrix XRS. And I had forgotten that the uh, Matrix is built in Canada. For some reason, I thought it was built overseas. Yeah, I forgot that it was built ah. in Canada. Anyway, so there's uh, there's there's so much history, and we can't, can't possibly name all of them. So, Ben. No. Can you remember where I interrupted you about 20 minutes ago now? Is it possible? No, no, no not an interruption. And every every good conversation is just sort of a series of, of uh, tangents and threads, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you read my mind there, Scott, which was to take us to Japanese manufacturers in the 90s. And I'm glad you said that there's uh, there's so much other history to talk about. There's so many examples of hot hatch cars that we could do a show just naming back and forth every one. But don't worry, we're not. We know you guys have stuff to do. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. (laughs) 
I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. So we had whittled this whittled this big list down to an example of the some of our favorite picks in the modern day. But before we do that, there's something else that you need to know. Uh, uh, very important variations on the hot hatch. And I only briefly mentioned this early on. I said warm hatch. Do you remember when I said yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a terrible name for a car, by the it's way. It's not a good name. Drive a, drive a warm hatch? It's like citation, you know? Yeah, I guess so. So the idea behind a warm hatch, if you haven't already guessed what this is, and and uh, I guess my comment on this overall would be why bother? But <laughs> but um, it's used to denote a junior version of a hot hatchback. So think about a car that still has you know, improved performance, but it also has more practicality than the standard vehicle that it was derived from. So, um, it's like, it's like a mid-level hatchback, I guess. There's the, there's the base, you know, which is kind of the, uh, the grocery getter, right? The family, yeah. family go wagon or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, or hatchback, not, not wagon. And then there's the hot hatch and somewhere in between is the, is the warm hatch. Um, like, so examples of this would be like the Mini Cooper or maybe the, um, remember the Suzuki Swift Sport or the, uh-huh. the Toyota Yaris that, uh, I think there was a hatchback Yaris, the SR version. Right. Uh, that, that is kind of like the in-between version, uh, where it's not quite the, the, the top end, it's not quite the low end, it's uh, just kind of floating in between, but that's the warm hatch idea. Yeah, and, uh, Kia also had one, the, uh, Seed GT. Came out uh, three door and five door versions. Uh, they originally described it as a warm hatch, but uh, once once the press got to it, everybody said hot hatch because warm hatch is just such a a weird name. There's a question that uh, I'd like to ask our listeners as we go through some of our favorite examples of modern hot hatches, uh, and that is if you've ever if you've heard the phrase super hatch and if any of these vehicles qualify for this a while back evo magazine started using the phrase super hatch for this but it kind of came and went so do you think we should bring it back or should we just call these vehicles god bless them hot hatches so they're trying to make super hatch work t- <laughs> is that what they're doing yeah i guess that is yeah yeah, yeah i guess that's what it is maybe yeah. they gave up yeah maybe i mean maybe they should hang in there because maybe it'll catch on because some of these i would think would qualify for that status but you know we had a um we had a brief conversation in the hallway you and i um a couple days ago and i said you know one of the problems with the hot hatchback is that over time these things fade so quickly because of the new models that manufacturers bring out that right. to look back at a night you know an early 1980s Volkswagen GTI and call that a hot hatchback. Yeah. If you were to drive it now, you would be underwhelmed. Yeah. Compared to what's available now. I mean, if you're trying to compare, um, you know, uh, 
a 40 year old vehicle to a uh, or 30 i guess you're a 30 mm-hmm. plus year old vehicle mm-hmm. to a vehicle that's that's out right now that's brand new from the manufacturers it's just not going to stand up it's just that the technology has progressed so uh, quickly, so immensely oh, between these time periods. Yeah, and and you're going to find that you know even going back five or six years from right now, uh, the cars that were once considered a hot hatchback are no longer really hot hatchbacks. They're, right. they're kind of that warm. I I know that it was the top offered right then, but okay, here's here's an example. I always talk about my car, right? So my uh, <laughs> my, my my Honda Civic Si is a hatchback. Yeah, and in 2005 was considered a hot hatchback. But not anymore. I mean, now you would get into it and you would be, again, underwhelmed because it has like 167 horsepower or something like that. That's half of some of the cars that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, the hatch cooled. Yeah, and sure, they may weigh a little bit more. However, they just they just fade so quickly from uh, from, you know, that that top point that, uh, you know, that That that, that, that speed. Yeah, exactly right. And that's I guess that's the positive thing about this. This segment and the the negative thing about this segment (laughs) is that. You know, they, you can get the top one, but it, once you decide to jump in, there's going to be something that tops it immediately. It's kind of like electronics, Ben. You know, when you it's come exactly home, exactly like electronics. You come home from the store, and there's already something better that's out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, you see it on the next commercial. By the yeah, by the time you see the advertisement for the next phone, there's a new one about to come out. All right, so you've got a list. I've got a list. Uh, we'll see if there are any duplicates here, but um, I think we can just quickly do these, and we can just kind of wrap it up with sure. this because we've we've pretty much covered everything. I would love, however have listeners chime in with their favorites after they hear what we have to say because we can't name them all there's no way yeah there's uh, there's no way uh the I, I think i might ride along shotgun with uh your list because it looks like already we have one of the same okay picks. got it all right so i'm uh i'm, I'm going to start off with the volkswagen golf r and that is uh that's the one that is already out in i think this is already out in europe i believe yeah. now but one thing i need to say here i keep getting caught sure, in sure. these sidebars but it's very difficult to determine which of these vehicles are available as a hatchback right now, this model year, versus right. the ones that were available in 2014 right. or will be available in 2016 or are only available for the European market or are only available for the Asian market, et cetera. And it goes – and it's it, it's tough. So I'm just going to name some hot hatchbacks that are kind of just out there that are available for consumption that people just can buy. general. Exactly right. Yeah. Some of these I do know for sure. Some of these have, have already been uh, – you know, they've already stopped production on these, but – all right, so let's talk about the uh, the Volkswagen Golf R. I think it's a little pricey. Uh, <laughs> it is a little pricey. I mean, up to forty thousand dollars. That's yeah. a pretty expensive vehicle. Now the base is like a little bit over thirty four grand, I think, mm-hmm. just with no bells, no whistles. And this is advertised as if you know, like if you like the GTI, the Golf R takes it to another level. So if you're thinking that right. I should have said GTI R, this is uh, this is one level above the GTI, I guess the Golf R would be. And it's supposed to be available in early twenty four or twenty fifteen rather, uh-huh. and it has a two hundred and ninety two horsepower, two liter, uh, four cylinder, all wheel drive setup. Yeah. So all wheel drive in a small car like that, that's got to be a lot of fun. Um, of course, a manual transmission will be offered later in the summer in in uh, twenty fifteen, but right now a six speed automatic transmission with launch control is what they have available. So this must be a blast to drive. Must be a great car to get around town in. And just for a quick comparison of the GTI and the R, uh, you're you're going to pay at least around ten ten thousand dollars more for the R because, as you said, Scott, it's a souped up version. <laughs> uh, that base price on the GTI is a little over twenty five grand. Uh, you're 
going to sacrifice a little bit of efficiency for the performance, which of course, you know, that's, that's a fair assumption to make, sure, right? Of course. So that's 19 MPG in the city around a little on, like 27 on the highway for the R. Uh, the numbers I have for the GTI say it's 21 in the city, 31 on the highway. Yeah, it's not terrible. No, it's not terrible, and it's not enough of a difference, really, to I think influence the decision. Well, let me let me put it this way: you're not buying this car for the fuel economy. Hole in one, Scott. That's it. That's exactly what it is. I mean, it's a different market, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so that's what's going on with All that. Right, and what's how next? about this? I've got a, a few that I'd like to just mention. We've already talked about the uh, the Renault Turbo Five. Right? That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that's yeah. one of my six favorites that I listed. All here. right, I didn't know we were going to talk about it a little more in depth. Anyways. Oh, sorry. How about this one? Huh? Blast in the past. The uh, the Shogun Festiva. What? Now, so this is a car that maybe not a lot of people know this, but there were only seven true Shogun Festivas made originally. You know, like the the factory approved version of these of these. Uh, really? Yeah. The, the rest are all like replicas. They are. There are there are a bunch of knockoffs or a bunch of uh, imitators that have been you know have been uh, put out there in the market by you know people fabricators or whoever, right? Because it, what you do is you take a a Ford Show V6 engine. Uh, that was in the, of course, the uh, show, tor- the Taurus show, uh, from what about 1989 through 1995. That's when the the engine, the V6 engine, was produced. Uh-huh. Um, it had about 220 horsepower, and you take that and you put it in a in a Ford Festiva in the back end, so it's no longer a front engine, front wheel wow, drive. This yeah. is a rear engine, rear wheel drive, or actually a mid engine, rear wheel drive Festiva. And you can imagine how fun that would be to drive. I mean, it, it just you know. The, the benefits of having the mid-engine, you know, the weight distribution, all right, that, right? Yeah, that's, that's one thing. As uh, a wide-body kit, a lot like, um, you know what, it's a lot like that Renault Turbo 5, uh, the mm-hmm. 5 Turbo, rather. And in the way it looks, it has the boxy fender flares, um, you know, the, of course, the mid-engine mount in the back. Um, it just has that kind of similar stance and look to it, uh, mm-hmm. the big wide tires. Um, but it must be a blast to drive. And guess who owns two of these? Two of the seven. Is it Jay Leno? It is Jay Leno. Uh, he owns it's always two. Jay Leno. Now, they painted all seven of these vehicles. They painted them different colors, and that was how they differentiated which one was which, right? So oh. so Jay Leno owns uh, number three, which is the silver one, and he also owns number five, which is the purple one. Silver and purple. Silver and purple. And you know Jay's not going to change the paint job. Of course he's not going to do that. But um, it's interesting that, you know, I mean, this car would do a quarter mile in something like 12.9 seconds, and that was at about 100.9 miles per hour. Uh, so it's really, really fast. But, I mean, think about it again. This is 1990. Uh-huh. This is when this happened. A guy named Chuck Beck of Special Editions and Rick Titus, uh, who created these things. So it's a three-liter show V6 engine in the back of, and stuffed in the back of a, of a, um, a Festiva. Interesting car. Yeah. I mean, if you get a chance, check one out. Even the knockoffs are pretty fun to watch. I've seen... Those are round. Well, what, uh, what's next? All right. Uh, next is a, uh, let's go back to another old one, which is out of production. Then we'll get on to some new ones. Okay. Uh, there's a car called the Renault Clio V6. Mm-hmm. And I think you've seen this one, yeah. right? I've seen one of these again on the road and it wasn't even truly on the road. It was at a uh, Chrysler test track. It was, uh, it was returning a vehicle from a video shoot that we were on uh-huh. and it was back on the test track and they were testing this Renault vehicle, uh, for whatever reason, maybe to compare it to, Maybe, who knows? Maybe it was that Dodge Caliber SRT4 or something. Hey, maybe. Uh, maybe learning some lessons there, whatever. But, um, I saw exactly one of them and it's an impressive vehicle to see in person because when it was, I mean, when you saw it, you turned your head to look at it. It was amazing. Um, has a, again, I think this is like the, uh, the progression of the Renault 5 Turbo again, 
from Renault. Uh, but this is a V6 powered six speed, again, mid engine wide body kit. Um, yeah, to some degree, it's a little bit wider than the standard, uh, Renault Clio because there is a standard Clio as well. Um, but again, it's reminiscent of the Renault Turbo five or five turbo. They had two different phases of this car. Phase one had 227 horsepower. Phase two went all the way up to 252 horsepower. Wow. Uh, but production was very, very limited. I think in, uh, they only produced them between 2001 and 2005. And, uh, they actually call the class of this vehicle, the, the, uh, you know, when you talk about the body and the chassis, yeah. the class of this vehicle is actually listed as hot hatch. So it goes to tell you right there, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's firmly in that, uh, in that, uh, that segment. So I, I, I just want to jump in with a slightly more recent version. Here. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got three more recent ones too. Okay. All right. So those are more recent. Uh, the Mazda Speed 3. Cool. I don't have that one. You don't have that no, one? No, so tell me all about it. So uh, it's got the turbocharged performance. It's going to set you back about twenty four grand. Uh, it's not perfect, but I like I like the Mazda 3 in general. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's a cool car. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so this uh, has 263 horsepower. Which already packs such a punch. Sure does, and those uh, any of the Mazda Speed vehicles look really cool because they've got additional, you know, body kits and uh, uh, spoilers and right. Um, it's, it looks like they they just appear to be a little bit lower. Maybe it's you know bigger tires or something like that. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. Now Edmonds, however, is not over the moon about it because they say that the torque steer is uh, is tough and that the the transmission is. Tricky, I think, is the word they use. Uh-huh. But you know what? I put both of those in the fun-to-drive category. Me too, man. Yeah. Me yeah. too. It makes it a challenge, right? Well, it yeah, it makes you – it's more of a – More of a connection. Yeah. You know, I'm fishing for words here, uh, but I, I think that it, whether or not that's fun is in the eye of the driver, mm-hmm. right? Or the, the the driving feel and how you like it. Uh, they said that it, it has a cheap-feeling cabin, but again – People are not buying hot hatches for the lap of luxury. That's true. I like the Mazda Mazda Speed Three. I do too. I uh, do that's too. my that's one of my. Seen opinions. a few of them on the road. They're a good looking car. Yeah. All right, so here's another one that's similar. Uh, the 2015 Ford Focus ST. Now this one has 252 horsepower, and we've talked about the ST before, yeah. uh, because the Ford Focus, not the ST version, um, comes up in you know like the affordable hatchback uh, right. lists often. Uh, because it's a great little car, really. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to it. And this one is the, uh, the performance version. Again, it's around $24,370. That's MSRP. So that's a pretty strong car. I mean, 252 horsepower. And, uh, I want to point out though, you know, that this is not the, uh, the 197 horsepower Fiesta ST, which is also a great car, but right. this is the slightly more powerful Focus ST that we're talking about. Uh-huh. This one has the two liter high output EcoBoost inline four engine. And I think it has like 270 pound feet of peak torque, which is an awful lot of torque. Yeah. Um, and a six speed manual transmission that goes along with it. So this is a fun vehicle to, to drive. I would assume I've heard the reviews of it. You know, a lot of people yeah. just gush about how great this thing is. Oh, I have a, I have a section from review to read just real quick. All right. That's okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, Stomp on the skinny pedal in this, and you're immediately met with two things. One, the headrest on the back of your head, and two, the steering wheel jerking to the right. The torque steer isn't as bad as the Speed 3. Boo. That's me on that part. Uh, but it's most definitely there. 
And guy goes, you know, I, I actually like it. It's enough to let you know it's packing some serious twists, but not so much I'm worried about the guy in the lane next to me. The handling here is excellent. You know, that's a good point because I know, you, I know you're saying the Torx gear is fun to drive and everything, and I agree. It is kind of fun to kind For of, sure. uh, you know, a little challenging. Yeah. But when there's too much of it, it does become dangerous. It really and that, does. that's one of the criticisms of the Speed 3, really. Yeah, and also the, uh, the, the, the SRT4 caliber from back, you know, 2007 yeah. that we talked about, yeah. you know, from, from a long time, almost a decade ago now. It's a long time. No way. All, all right, right so, what's next? All right, so maybe they can tune that out a little bit. But <laughs> All right, uh, the Honda Civic Type R. There's a hatchback version of the Type R. Yeah. Now, this is one, and this is one that is confusing to me because I hear back and forth, it's going to be available in the U.S., it's not going to be available. Right. And they're kind of teasing us with it. And I'll tell you what's happening with this one right now as we are recording this, Ben. Right now, the production-ready version of this vehicle, the fourth generation of the Civic Type R, is debuting at the 85th Geneva Motor Show right next to the second-generation Honda NSX. Uh-huh. So it's happening this week as we're recording this. I know this will be in advance or whatever, but it's, it's happening right now. This car, Ben, this is one that people here in the United States are salivating over. They want it bad because the, ty- the Type R Civic hasn't been available here. Uh, was it been ever? I don't even know if it's ever been available here. No, I don't think it has. I, I, you know what? I'm going to have to double-check my notes now. I think I'm not. It, yeah, don't quote me on it, but um, I'm... I'm I'm having a hard time. People are saying, you know, if this was available, if the Type R was available here in the United States, I might uh, might change my decision from a vehicle that I just bought, which is the next one I'm going to talk about, because a lot of people purchased another vehicle that is available here in the States ah, that's comparable. Yeah. This one had the, the Honda Civic Type R hatchback will have 306 horsepower. Jeez. It's a two-liter turbocharged engine, six-speed manual trans. Zero to sixty time is under six seconds and a one hundred and seventy mile per hour top speed. That's in a that's in a Honda Civic hatchback. That Imagine is that. Sweet. And it looks great. It looks fantastic what's, in my opinion. What's the cur- what's the weight? It's not going to be available here in the United States market, uh, but there are other cars that are possibilities. You know, if you want to get something comparable. Does this lead us to your it, it leads us to the final one. It's one right. and we've already talked about the uh the GTI and the uh, rather the uh, the Golf R, I guess. Right. And we've talked about the Ford Focus ST. Mm-hmm. The final one here that is kind of a comparable vehicle that uh, that I like to talk about that that would match uh the performance I suppose of the of the Civic Type R is the and you have to go back a year though. It's not brand new. Okay. The 2014 Subaru Impreza WRX STI hatchback. Now that's a long name. Yeah. But the thing is, Subaru is not offering the Impreza WRX STI in the hatchback form anymore. Uh, At least not here. Now I don't know if that's happening elsewhere or not, okay. but but they're offering the sedan. So you have to get the four door version. Well, I mean the the hatchback is a four door as well, but they're not offering the hatchback body. So I wonder why. 2.5 liter uh-huh. flat four-cylinder engine, which, of course, you know, the Boxster engine is what right, we right, talked right. about, right? 305 horsepower, all-wheel drive. What a vehicle. I mean, it's really impressive. So, I mean, if we're, if you can't get the Civic Type R, you can go to the, uh, you know, the the, uh, the Subaru from 2014 and get the hatchback design that you want mm-hmm. with the horsepower that you want, with some of the features that you want. So, I guess it's just all a matter of personal preference. Ah, and speaking of personal preference, we want to hear what you guys think out there. Uh, hot hatches, like them, love them, hate them, eh? Let us know. Uh, let us know also what, what you think about this whole warm hatch thing. I, you know, I just, it gets me when I feel like 
marketing folks are stepping in and trying to make everything a buzzword. You know what I mean, Scott? It does feel that way with this. Yeah, so uh, we like to also hear about the uh, craziest hot hatch you have driven. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. Find every podcast we've ever done on carstuffshow.com. And, uh, hey, uh, a couple of you guys have been writing in to let us know about places we should take field trips, road trips to. Uh, we'd love to hear more of that because, as you know, uh, we're, we're dabbling in, in uh, videos now. Yeah, we are starting. And uh, we unfortunately were rained out last weekend at that car show we were talking yeah. about with the Hellcat. But... Um yeah, I think there's, uh, there's good things on the horizon. Now, we got one crazy thing from that that you might see one day. Maybe. No promises. Uh, but in the meantime, we'd love to hear your suggestions for all that stuff, as well as suggestions for upcoming episodes. So go ahead. Don't delay. Send an email to us. We are carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit Slack.com to get started. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.